Hey, it's Heather, and in this episode of Not Just Heather, we are joined by Malcolm Russell Nelson from On the Subject and Geeks Rising. We met through Geeks Rising, but Malcolm is incredibly passionate about comics, and we hope that you enjoy his stories that he has to share from his journey. Hey, Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It is amazing to have you here. We have an awesome connection through Geeks Rising and the podcast on the subject, but welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> I have loved being a part of Geeks Rising with you. You are an amazing, creative, passionate, intelligent person who knows so much that I don't know, and it blows my mind. And I just <laughs> love hearing you share that in all the things that you do. Well, I thank you. First off, I just know all the all the all the dumb, trashy things, though. To be fair, I don't I don't know anything of importance. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely do basic math, but I know a lot about comic books. So there's that. <laughs> That's one of the big connection things I wanted to talk to today, because your love of comics and your connection to them is a pretty big part of your life, really. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah. Do you remember when you started getting into comics? My parents and grandparents bought me some comics every now and then when I was like younger. Mm -hmm. I used to live in New York when I was a kid. I distinctly remember driving from New York City to Long Island in my aunt's car, because Long Island is where it's one of the like side boroughs. It's where my grandparents live. And so driving there and then driving back home, we stopped at like a gas station and my grandparents got me like a comic, like a Spider-Man comic, because I was, you know, it's a long ride. And I was like mm -hmm. four, like I didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? So like, I remember that distinctly. And then I was super into like Star Wars and stuff. So I got like into some Star Wars comics, you know, that they, like my parents and grandparents had got me. My dad used to be kind of into comics a little bit when he was a kid and had some, you know, but really it started for me about the year 2000. Okay. That's really when it started for me. I lived in Arizona at that point and had a library open up pretty close to my house. Yeah. So I could just like walk to the library. Like it was like a 20 minute walk to the library, you know? So I would walk to the library like all the time, like on weekends and stuff, and, like check out books. Cause I loved reading books. Like I had gotten super into reading just like novels and like young adult stuff. And, you know, like I, I loved reading books Awesome. And I started branching out into comics because it was a cool like comic section over at that library. And so I had started getting into some of that and then, uh, you know, just checking out some stuff there. And then I started seeing them like in supermarkets as well, because at that time they were still being sold more in supermarkets. So, you know, like fries or, you know, regular Kroger or whatever, they would have like a little comic section over at the magazines. You know? And I picked up a book off there, which was called Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh -huh. Which is funny because Spider-Man is not my favorite superhero, but a lot of my comic love comes from Spider-Man, which is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Ultimate Spider-Man. It was one of the early issues. Uh, and I read it and I was like, this is awesome. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man is part of this initiative that Marvel did in the year 2000 where they tried to say, okay, Marvel comics have been around since the 60s. These characters have been around since the 60s. But what if they debuted now? What if there was, you know, what if Spider-Man was 16 years old in the year 2000? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? You know, what would it look like if the Avengers were just getting together now and Captain America woke up in the present, you know, yada, yada, which wound up being like a big inspiration for like the Marvel Cinematic movies and stuff like that. But I picked that up. I picked the Ultimate Spider-Man. I was like, this is amazing. I love this. And I tried to get like, I tried to keep reading that pretty constantly. Unfortunately, I was a 
criminal and would read them in the supermarket as opposed to <laughs> buying them uh, because I was 10. <laughs> and so I was a thief and I will fully admit that. It's, it's funny because that's actually my favorite like comic series uh, like of all time. It's it's the one that I, as soon as I could, like I made sure I got every issue of and I have every issue for Ultimate Spider-Man just sitting in my closet right now wow. in some short boxes because it's, it's my favorite book because it's the one that got me into this. And without that series, I guess I wouldn't really be here. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have a lot of the connections that I have. You know, I wouldn't have the job that I have. I wouldn't have, you know, the girlfriend that I have that I got through that job. You know, like there's a lot that I, my life would be entirely different. Whoa. Which is really interesting. That is super interesting. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that you found them and have gone on this journey and that you're able to enjoy them and you've got all the copies. That's amazing. Like my comics that I first read were actually from the school library because okay. I didn't see them in petrol station, fuel stations, gas stations yeah. or super. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but then they had asterisks at the library and at school and so okay. they had a clearance sale of books and I picked that one up and that I still have that one. It's battered and bruised and ripped. That's hilarious. But I love it. And yeah, it's not my favorite comic in that. It's just a piece of memory history, I guess. I don't think Asterix is anyone's favorite comic, to be honest, but <laughs> I think that everyone just has like that kind of knowledge of it. It's one of those things like it, Asterix was never a really big thing over here in the States, but I think everyone kind of knows what that is. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Tintin. Like everyone yeah. knows what Tintin is, even though Tintin never really exploded over here. Mm-hmm. Everyone has some kind of knowledge of Tintin. <laughs> like it's, it's one of those staples. Yeah. My knowledge of Tintin is just from the TV series. I had never seen the comics. See, okay, same. That was really where I started loving Tintin was that show. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And so, like you said, you've got your job now is heavily focused on comics, really. <laughs> yes, I am a manager of a comic book store. And do you know what? I don't know physically where one is. That's terrible. But I really, just, yeah, I'm sure they're in Auckland and Wellington, like the bigger cities. But I don't know where one is that I could go to. Yeah. So I've just only been able to have the online shopping experience to try and find some. That's still very important. I mean, as a person who you know works and runs a comic book store, like the online presence of a comic community is very important. That's honestly how I got every issue of Ultimate Spider-Man was through like online lots and stuff because I couldn't find it in stores. <laughs> so. I mean, it's important. It's a helpful resource. I can never fault somebody for that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that it's a possibility. And I just had a really cool experience with one that's based in New Zealand. And they packed up my order real quick. And it was all packaged beautifully and securely. And I emailed them and said, hey, just wanted to let you know what a great job you guys did and how amazing it was. And they're like, thanks so much for messaging us. We're so happy that we like made your day and it made our day to get your email and it's just like squee that's awesome <laughs> yeah and then i've had another one where it took a long time and i was just kind of like man yep. what an experience yep. but i got the books that i wanted so you know who cares <laughs> but at least you got it i totally get that yeah you are my inspiration in a way because listening to you talk about comics and stuff and you introduced them to me when we did the serenity episode for on the subject you mentioned about the greg park series of the firefly comics and i already invested in firefly heavily so <laughs> <laughs> see what research i could do 
and I found some. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I'm so glad. And you're liking them? Absolutely. Love them. It is very good. Greg Pak is, he's a great writer. He's been in the comics, like mainstream comics biz for like 20 years now. And he's a great writer. He's very good at flushing out characters, especially like the characters of less known people. You know, mm-hmm. I think his his work on those on those books, especially like, I think he gets Jane perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not a lot of Jane in those books, but he is perfect. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's wonderful. I could hear the characters when I was reading them. I'm yeah. like, this is exactly like as if I was watching it. That is exactly it. It's funny. A long time ago at this point, licensed property comics were not very good, you know, because you could never really hear the voices. I always hated, even as a kid, I mentioned like I like Star Wars comics, you know. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I hated that they didn't feel like the characters from the movie. Yeah. Luke Skywalker is my favorite Star Wars character. And in the comics, he never felt right. Mm-hmm. But in the modern era, like the people who grew up with those books and were frustrated by that are now writing those books. And so they actually get the voices right. So, and the company who puts out the Firefly comic now, boom, they're really good at that with their licensed properties. They put out all the Power Rangers comics and all the Rangers feel like they should. Good. Firefly, like everyone feels like they should. Like it, it's great. You can literally hear the dialogue being spoken, which is awesome. I, I think that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would have not carried on collecting them if I discovered that it wasn't. Because that would have been (laughs) just crushing for me, you know, like... It's then not the same and it doesn't have that nostalgia. So Yeah, exactly. But I love that. And I think Logan put it this way, that the comic can do something even film can't do. They can lay out a scene in a totally different way. Oh, yeah. And like you, I love reading novels, but I have just loved that exploratory kind of experience with a comic. There's nothing like reading a comic. My favorite thing about reading a novel or a book is, you know, you can make the picture yourself. I I guess I think of everything kind of like a filmmaking point of view. Mm Mm-hmm. Where like a novel is a script and you can read the script and then you see, you know, the storyboards like in your head of how it plays out. But a comic is like reading the storyboards for a movie where you get to see like everything lay out with the script on top of it. And that's so cool. There's no other medium like that, really. It's interesting. And there's cool things that you could do with the pacing to make a different kind of dramatic step. You know, uh, the power of a page turn is very impactful. That's the coolest thing about a comic is that you could have something so suspenseful happen in a page turn. You get to the bottom of a page and you don't know what's coming next and then you turn the page and you can get hit right in the mouth with something like amazing you know like it's it's great yeah i've been that person who loved that they were in their little cellophane packets with the board behind them and i opened (laughs) that up carefully i didn't wreck any of that and then i pulled it out and i was gentle (laughs) and so i turned them rather slowly but you know like yeah i totally get that There's even the drama in doing that, you know, it adds a a level of personal danger. Like, uh, (laughs) like, I really don't want to mess up this comic. Like, I got to be gentle with it. You know, like, are my hands too sweaty? Like, is the ink going to come off of my hands? Yeah. yeah. Are my hands clean? It's it's weird, you know, but it's fun. I like it. Yeah. That for me has been one of the things that have helped me get through the horrible mishmash that life has been (laughs) for the last little while of having those physical things and also just enjoying the things that I already had, but exploring new things like that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What are some of the things that have helped get you through? Definitely comics have not hurt with that. Working at a comic shop is a lot of work. Mm Mm-hmm more than a lot of enjoyment to be fully honest like there's there's just a lot that goes into it every night i make sure and this is how it's been since i started working 
uh, at my shop. Like every night I make sure that I read at least like one issue of something that I know I like because that way it keeps me invested. It keeps me interested. I go to bed, you know, thinking of something positively as opposed to like, oh, you know, like I really messed up that order. or Oh, I got to, you know, make sure I get my mindset for like this new product line or something. At -hmm. least I have a, I'm going to bed with a good positive thought of comics. And so that is in the last year or so uh, that one or two comics has turned into like five or six that I read every night (laughs) 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 just to make sure I really go to bed with positive thoughts. Oh boy. (laughs) But I I think that's been very helpful. Uh, I'm going to be fully honest. uh, Connections have really helped people, you know, people, honestly, Heather, people like you, you know, and the rest of Geeks Rising, like it's awesome to see People who I know are also, you know, struggling through life right now in the last year or so. Like, it's been a really weird year. And it's very comforting that people have been able to operate like normal, you know, or at least get to some sort of new normal, mm-hmm. you know, and not have things impact them too heavily. Yeah. I think that's really, that's really inspiring. You know, I know a lot of people who lost their jobs, you know. I used to work at a movie theater and I have a lot of friends who worked at movie theaters and work at movie theaters. Yeah. And the theater I used to work at actually closed down temporarily uh, yeah. and is closed right now. Like they opened up again for like another month or so and then they just are closed now because, I mean, it's a bad time for a movie theater business, you know? <laughs> yep. So it's hard. Like there's a lot of struggling right now, but to see people, you know, be able to fight through that and get through that and be okay is very inspiring and very comforting and encouraging. Yeah. It makes me feel like I, I really don't have room to complain. Like I'm, I'm gainfully employed, you know? I can't go wrong. I have a roof over my head. I'm I'm okay. You know, so. Yeah. And you've got a support network around you. Yeah. That's, and that's huge. You know, that's great. That's awesome. Just cycling back. How did you get to being part of On The Subject? Uh, Okay. Great question. So I've known Logan for years. We took a class together, like a community college and I've known (laughs) him for years. Um, and I've known Zach even longer because we went to the same high school. We had like very close friends who were very close friends. And so Zach and I used to have a podcast a while ago. And then we folded that podcast in with Logan's old Paper Robots podcast mm-hmm. to kind of combine and, you know, take the load off of each other, really. Yeah. And then we burned that down and came up with On the Subject, where we just focus specifically on movies and on the subjects of tropes of movies and stuff like that. So we started off doing franchises, going through big franchises and looking at how those franchises have changed and how they've evolved, how they've grown. Last year, our big theme of last year was taking on the challenge of Martin Scorsese saying that popcorn movies aren't cinema, Mm -hmm. challenging the idea of cinema and cinema, like what what exactly makes a movie quote cinema over being non quote cinema mm-hmm. and then we did and then we did a uh a mini series on Joseph Gordon Lovett, <laughs> which was a weird thing, but that was fun. And then here we are now. We're uh, we're looking at like adaptations to film of like TV shows that are adapted to film, and how does that change the perception of that franchise? Like, does that enhance the experience? Does it make it better? Um, so on and so forth. And we got some other stuff cooking, but cool. yeah, they're they're my brothers. Ah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's also what I said when I did the Kaylee Fry or Jewel State cameo thing for you guys. Because <laughs> yes, that was. I wanted to share something with you to let you know 
just rather than me saying, hey, I really appreciate you, Malcolm, <laughs> but <laughs> do something a little bit extra special. And I said to her that you guys are like my brothers that I never had. <laughs> you absolutely are the sister I never had. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that was so cool, by the way. That was such a complete surprise. Thank you Yay, again. That was welcome. so awesome. <laughs> that was fun. I enjoyed that so much. That was awesome. <laughs> Do you think you guys might touch on adaptations from books to film? Yeah, I think that is something that we will get to. There's something very interesting with that as well. It's it's not too dissimilar from from TV adaptation to film. It's it's taking a longer form thing and condensing it into a two or three hour kind of thing, which is really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to tackle that too. That would be great. I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll just do, it's just going to be Hunger Games and Twilight. That's it. Oh, all right. Well, Okay. <laughs> And there goes the excitement. Uh. Yeah, pretty much. No, I. But I have one for you, which is the Notebook. That was so much better as a film than a book. And I agree. I actually didn't get very far in the book when the Notebook came out because I liked the movie a lot. And then yeah. I tried reading the book, and I was like, I'm not into this. That is trash. The book is trash. The movie is better. <laughs> yeah, the movie is very good. Yeah, not always does that work out because usually it's the book. It's better, and because it kind of touches on what you mentioned before, is when you read a book, you can imagine the world yeah. and the, the way that you perceive them, but when they put it on film, it's like, nope, that's not what I thought of. Yeah, exactly. It's not how I saw that. Exactly. Yeah. So I kind of want to summarize, if we can, what are films and or comics, if they have a similar resonance for you? What do they mean to you? What's their importance? Wow, that's a really good question. Thank you. <laughs> Both films and comics represent a different... A different viewpoint of the world for me. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, a more, I guess both are a more fantastic view of the world. I like stuff that, you know, I, hey, listen, I like my superhero comics. I, I love a good superhero comic and I like a good, you know, anything else comic too. I just like comics, but, but I love a good superhero book because that's a, a portrayal of a better world, a world that we think has superheroes and, you know, right and wrong are much more clear than the shades of gray that they really are in the real world. You know, where there's straight up heroes and there's straight up villains is that that's such an idealistic world. Like that's, that'd be such a great place to live. Mm -hmm. Like things aren't that cut and dry in the real world, you know? And, yeah. and I like when, when things get muddy in a comic or in a movie, you know, for that clear good or evil. If you take uh, Captain America, for example, one of the best things for Captain America stories is when Captain America has to go up against the government. It's a thing that happens all the time. In fact, they do it in literally every one of the movies because, <laughs> because it's such a trope. But when Captain America has to go up against the government, you know, being the symbol of the government, being the symbol of what America ideals, American ideals should be and could be, mm -hmm. uh, and he has to go up against a government that doesn't reflect those ideals. It's a very easy trope for the comics. Clearly it is for the movies, but I think it's also very impactful. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a good blending of real world, murky gray, you know, shades of gray, and then putting it in this world of clear defined black and white, uh, which I think is awesome. The challenges, both the characters and the story and the world that the story is taking place in for the comic or the movie, but it also challenges our perception of things in the real world. And why can't, you know, if we could put real world garbage into comics, why can't we take comics goodness and put it in the real world? You know, it's it's an interesting like thought thing. So I think they both represent just a different way to view the world. That was a really weird long answer. I'm sorry. 
No, it was perfect. And I love it. That's amazing. A different way of viewing the world. Yeah. And it's a very interesting thought point. What about if we take the things that are good from them and implant them and make them real? Yeah. Like, why why can't we do that? Yeah. You know, like, it ultimately comes down to people why we can't do that. But I think we should be able to do that. There should absolutely be people that we uphold to a higher standard like we do our superheroes mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like that it makes no sense that there isn't but even like you know politicians and higher echelon religious figures and stuff like we can't hold those people to higher standards because they're people mm-hmm. and people are fallible but like comic book characters even if they fall they still pick themselves back up and that's amazing yeah you know yeah oh i love that <laughs> <laughs> How do you prepare for On the Subject? So for the most part, every episode of On the Subject, we're covering a movie. Mm-hmm. I'll watch that movie. Even if it's a movie I've seen before, I'll watch that movie. I Anytime I watch a movie, I try to go in with very little uh, expectation or anything. Like mm-hmm. even if I'm, it's something I'm excited for, I'll take a couple of minutes kind of just like calm myself and lower my expectations. Or if it's something I'm really not excited for, I'll try to raise them a little bit. Just so I hit this balance line of like, I'm going in with a clean slate. I don't want to, you know, have anything impact how I view the movie. And then I watch the movie and I, you know, think of things critically, but also just, I guess, commercially, you know, mm-hmm. how things make sense. Like if it makes sense on a story aspect, if it makes sense on an acting aspect, I like looking at performance in movies, even small facial things, you know, a facial tick here or there, or a weird way to say a line, you know, that has more meaning and impact behind it. I'll look for that kind of stuff a lot. Every now and then I'll take notes on a movie, but mm-hmm. I try not to just because that takes me out of the movie okay. uh, yep. <laughs> to pause and to like take down a note or something. I don't want to miss something. So a lot of times I won't take notes, but I'll watch it. I'll usually watch a movie at least like a few hours before, you know, and then I'll, I'll actually go and do some other stuff. So we, mm-hmm. we usually record like at night. Yeah. So on like a Thursday, I'll, since my day off, I'll watch the movie like in the morning you know, take a few hours, do some other stuff, like do some cleaning around the house or, you know, play some video games or something and be thinking about it in the back of my head, like thinking about, you know, the movie and what I thought on it and stuff like that. And then, then I'm ready to record. I have a few points to talk about and stuff and go from there. Nice. It kind of like ruminates for you for a little while yeah. before you record. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, I, I want to live in it for a little bit. Cause I, I, I hate watching something right before I record, like immediately before. Cause then I yeah. don't have enough time to really think about it. I'm too fresh off of it so if it's if it's something that i'm really high on you know i can't think about it critically really like in a fair way because i'm really high on it and so you know it's if it's right after like i'm still just feeling the excitement of watching it yeah but if it's a few hours later i've at least come down from that excitement i can think about things more critically and i can look at things and be like okay this was a positive this was a negative yeah Do you think there's like a sweet spot of how far in advance you watch something? Anytime I watch something, I can still pick up something new, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I I try to still watch stuff, but I I try to watch it the, at least a day or two before recording. Cause that way it's still pretty fresh. Yeah. If I watch it like a week before, I'm just going to forget, you know, especially since I don't take notes, like I'm I'm just going to forget stuff. But if it's within a couple of days of recording, at least it'll still be fresh in my mind and I can still inform something, you know? Nice. And with that, performance side of things and any 
sort of technical aspects that you look of. What is your background there? <laughs> Good question. I'm a movie watcher. I also <laughs> did screenwriting classes and stuff. I wanted to be a screenwriter for a while. I've written a couple like small scripts, but nothing like major or anything. I love ideas. I love having ideas. I hate having to execute those ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I always think of things from a screenwriting point of view too. I think a script, the, the script is the spine of a story that you're telling. Now, I mean, there's a lot of ribs on that spine. There's the acting, there's, you know, there's the visual effects, there's the sound, there's the sound editing, there's the score, you know, there's a lot of pieces that go into a movie, but the spine is going to be the script is the just general concept. And if that spine is weak, then the whole body's just going to fall. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I look at that a lot too. I also just love reading scripts. Like there's, there's some movies that like, I, I love those movies as a movie, but I really love those movies as like a script. Tarantino movies, often. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun reading those scripts. Those scripts are very good, very interesting, very laid out. Yeah. How do you get to read the scripts? You could just go online and just look up the scripts. Okay. A, lot, a lot of scripts are just, you know, just public access. Oh, you cool. just go online and read the scripts, which is cool. Yeah. Every now and then you can find a script for a movie that wasn't made, which is really cool. <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I like reading scripts and screenplays. They're interesting. In terms of the films that you watch, Malcolm, keeping track of them, do you use Letterboxd mainly for that, or is there any other thing that you use? I do use Letterboxd mainly for that. Every year I try to use it more, and I always wind up failing. Like last year, I just didn't put anything on there, and I just mm-hmm. was like, okay, I want to make a conscious effort not to put anything on here. But this year, I'm trying to actively use it just so I remember by the end of the year what I've all seen. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's very hard to remember, like especially like in December, you know, or when whenever we on on the subject like do our like award show of like hey performances of the year all that jazz it's hard to remember like what i watched in january (laughs) Uh, especially given the last that's why i just decided last year i wasn't gonna do it because especially given the last year i barely watched anything Mm -hmm. like i i just didn't and anything that i watched it was mostly stuff i had seen before you know or stuff that we covered on the pod so i have a record of you know what i watched but yeah i'm just trying to Honestly, it's it's for my mind. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird memento mori, I guess. But <laughs> how do you find you on Letterboxd? Uh, that should also be Captain Malcolm. C A P N M A L C O L M. Awesome, cool. And what do you love about podcasting? If you do love anything, <laughs> uh, I I do I do love podcasting. <laughs> what that'd be that'd be really funny for me to reveal. Like I actually hate podcasting. <laughs> it's the worst. I didn't mean to set you up like that. I'm sorry. Should I re-ask the question? <laughs> They say, man, I feel like I feel like I'm on the news. <laughs> you got me. I'm just waiting for this moment. <laughs> um, I I actually love podcasting. Nice. I love listening to podcasts. I think it's my favorite way to not just pass time, but to do something. Like I always listen to podcasts, like while I'm while I'm cleaning. Yeah. Or there's days at work where I can listen to podcasts while I'm like doing ordering or like processing a shipment or something. And I I love that. It's it's great to have a constant conversation in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I love listening to podcasts. So I love being able to create something that maybe someone else like me is also listening to while they're doing something else. You know. That, I think that's super cool. I love the rapport that you have with Logan and Zach. It is amazing. Thank you. And it makes listening a lot of fun. I also love the different perspectives and experiences you bring to it because you all have sometimes quite very different viewpoints on the films that you cover, which is amazing because otherwise yeah. if you just all loved it, well, there goes the discussion. That's that's the thing. I love that no matter what, we're always going to be somewhere different. 
Mm-hmm. On it. Like, even if it's something that all three of us like, we all are going to like it for different reasons. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. I think we, the three of us flow really well together. Yeah, I agree. What are some of your favorite podcasts or podcasts that you'd recommend on film or comics? Okay. I've got a few, actually. Awesome. So, like, my three favorite, like, comics and film podcasts, uh, my favorite film podcast. Uh, okay, four. Four favorite <laughs> comics and film podcasts. My two favorite film podcasts, uh, one is Blank Check with Griffin and David, which you've mm-hmm. probably, if you've listened to an episode of On the Subject, you've probably heard all three of us reference before. It's two people, <laughs> Griffin Newman, who's an actor, and David Sims, who's a film reviewer. They're friends, and they review filmographies of directors who had massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to, you know, create whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. <laughs> and so I love listening to them. They constantly have like really interesting filmmakers that they cover. They started off with like really big ones. Uh, they did like M. Night Shyamalan. So they go through like his filmography, movie by movie. And then they did like Christopher Nolan. They did the Wachowskis, which that's like three of my favorite filmmakers right there. Cause all three of them are very interesting and very different. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they've kind of gotten into like doing not necessarily smaller ones, but like really interesting ones like Musker and Clemens, who did a lot of Disney animated films mm-hmm. was who they just recently did. So they talked about like Aladdin and Little Mermaid and Moana princess and the frog and really interesting filmographies. So they're my favorite. My other favorite film podcast is the empire podcast, mm-hmm. which is based for empire magazine, my favorite film publication. And I mean, they talk about, you know, like current stuff. They have like a news segment. They have a, a couple of interviews with creators or actors or whoever who are going to be in whatever they're reviewing for that week. And they'll do like movie reviews for the week. But I love Empire Magazine. That's basically what their magazine is. And I think they're all pretty awesome. So that's my two favorite film podcasts. My two favorite comic podcasts, mm-hmm. Geek Explained, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, it's my boy, Eric Azana. And he he covers a lot of a lot of comic stuff, but a lot of like kind of just geek pop culture in general. Yeah. You know, I mean, he has like some stuff on like wrestling and some stuff on like the cartoons. And uh, this week's episode, as we're recording, actually, I was just listening to it before we recorded. He has his top five favorite like comic book cartoons which is a really great list. I'm also biased because I'm sort of on there a lot because he's my buddy. So <laughs> I realize that's a fully biased thing. The other comic podcast, it might just be my, my favorite podcast right now in general, is uh, Cerebro, okay. which is an X-Men podcast. It's uh, this this guy, Connor Goldsmith. He's a, he's a book publisher. And every episode, he goes through the history of an X-Men character, yeah. their entire like publication history. Uh, we'll have a guest on who loves that character and we'll talk about the character with them and they'll talk about like high points of the character's history, low points, um, where they want to see the character go, like in the future, stuff like that, which is awesome. It's it's literally like my favorite podcast right now. I think it's so good. Yeah, I, I just love it. I love the X-Men and I love learning more about them. That's cool. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the platform. <laughs> I had heard of some of them, but not the Cerebro one. So that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a big favorite of mine. It's newer. He started that during quarantine. Yeah. So I think it's only like 30 episodes in. So it's really only be out for like 30 weeks or so. But I, yeah, I, I love it. It's so good. That's cool. What challenges have you faced when creating podcasts, for example, and how have you overcome those? <laughs> so this goes back to when Zach and I first started our podcast. Mm-hmm. I guess the biggest hurdle for me is uh, I need someone else to do it with mm-hmm. because that's someone else who will, A, keep us on a schedule, 
B, give me someone to bounce off of. Uh, which I think is really important for a podcast. I think the bounce back dynamic is really good. It's something that going back to Geek Explained, like I, I love that. Eric mostly does it by himself. Like there's large portions of like every now and then he'll have a guest on or, you know, a round table kind of thing, but he mostly does it himself. I don't know how he does that. Like that's incredible. Like I don't know how you do it, Heather. Like that's incredible. Like I, I could never just, you know, do it by myself. That's so much. So much work. <laughs> I'm just lazy. Yeah, it's hard. That's why we're here together, you see? <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just so much work. Like, I definitely commend you guys for doing that. That's crazy. So, yeah, I need someone to bounce off of. I think I'm I'm an energy vampire that way, you know? Uh, I feed off the energy of someone else, and it works out well. Yeah. But also, yeah, just someone to, you know, help on the other end of it as far as, like, okay, keeping a schedule. You know, I'm not just picking all the subjects. Like, I'm just helping out. Like, I, I like being a helper mm-hmm. as opposed to having to be a leader which is a bad thing for a manager to say but <laughs> but there you go folks uh, <laughs> delegating is good right delegating is great yeah. i'm learning that <laughs> <laughs> i think that's amazing connections are important it is hard to do a solo show that's why i'm loving this project it allows me to talk to amazing people like you and have someone to bounce off of it is hard but then in the same thing you guys managed to despite quarantine and lockdowns and all of the rest managed to still connect during that time to do the recordings. Yeah, it's been hard. I, It's funny, I, I go to Logan's place of work every now and then, but I haven't seen Zach since like this time last year, which is weird. Oh, like, this wow. is the longest I haven't seen him. Like, <laughs> like, it feels weird. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's, yeah. it's a weird time. So you look forward to that time that you do to get to connect then for the podcast? Yes, we, uh, all three of us have gotten our first round of shots. So <laughs> yes. after the second round, we can start discussing meeting up, which is nice. Oh, good. Yeah, I miss my boys, you know, it's weird. I'm glad that the connection's not completely lost, though, even though yeah. in-person is always preferable. Yeah, it's, connection is the important thing, whether it's in-person or not, like, it's it's very important. Absolutely. And on that note, where can people connect with you, Malcolm, to find what you do? And yeah, uh, follow me when you see me in person. I guess. Okay. Uh, Creepy. No, <laughs> <laughs> just let me know first. You know, just okay. be like, hi, I I listen to you. I follow you. Uh, no, you can you can follow me uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, my handle is Cap Malcolm C A P N M A L C O L M. I'm on Twitter. I'm very barely on Instagram. I try to update my letterbox more often. I actually that's a reminder. I need to do that today mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yeah that's about it yeah. and then you know of course uh on the subject and geeks rising you know i'm i'm a part of both of those things yay which is great so yeah, yeah. and on the subject has a patreon Woo. yes we do we do you could pay our wages <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing when people are generous enough to support things on Patreon. It's wild. It's awesome. But you deserve it too because you you do a good job and I love what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Malcolm. I have loved talking with you and I can't wait to do more with you in the future. Thank you for having me. I love that you're doing this. I can't wait to listen. Thank you. Yay. (laughs) See you next time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Have a good one. Thanks again. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you so much, Malcolm, for sharing your time with me to have this conversation. And thank you, listener, for listening and sharing your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you have a connection with Malcolm or you find one after listening, please share them with us. And if you know someone who might benefit from discovering more about Malcolm, we would love for you to share it with them too. 
All of the details for this episode can be found at justheathers.com forward slash guests. Until next time.